Good afternoon, this is Rafael Caleb and you're listening to The Boldness on 3CR. The Boldness is a disability current affairs program standing up for your rights as for disability instead of waiting for some well-meaning person to give them to you. Recently I was in Tasmania and I've caught up with a person called Matthew Brumby. He's a wheelchair athlete. He was first past the line in the Bernie 10k rung. And have we got Matthew on the line? G'day, buddy. How you doing? Hello, Matthew. G'day, mate. How are you? Sensational. Now, uh, Matthew, is that you're quite um, an athlete? Tell us about it. Um, yeah. So I, I was, uh, I was in the military from a young age, and you know, did all the sporty stuff and and did the whole team thing. And then after I, uh, I had an accident. That left me paralysed. I eventually, after a few years, um, found sport and uh, had a crack at a triathlon. And then, uh, yeah, just over the next few years, learned that where I lived, we had a local event that you came to, uh, the Bernie 10, which is a great 10K uh, race they do here every year. So I started doing that and then, yeah, thought I'd have a crack at the, the triathlon and away I went. Well, is that what? How did you actually get prepared? How do you actually prepare for your races, Matthew? Uh, pretty much the same as an able-bodied athlete. When you when you start racing, um, you know, full time, it's basically all you do. Uh, you know, you've got to watch what you eat, and you've just got to keep an eye on: uh, Am I training enough? Am I not overtraining? And so, yeah, basically the same. You just do a lot of swimming, uh, a lot of a lot of biking in my hand cycle. And then you know the, a few sessions a week in the in the race chair, the running league. So you just the only difference for us is that we have we have the two pieces of equipment, one for the bike and the the race, the run league. Whereas you know as an able bodied only has purely just their bike. Now, Matthew, how many hours a week would you spend training? Um, before I had that year off that we we uh, spoke about in in uh, Bernie, I was probably anywhere between twenty and twenty four hours a week. Well, that's actually a huge commitment. How do you actually fund um, yourself, or have you got any sponsors that can help you out with expenses? No, I mean, yeah, I didn't. I mean, I didn't quite get to the the the, the point of um, of making the Olympic team. I was on what they call the the long list. So, other than that, no. Um, until you make that type of um, a team for Australia, you don't really get any funding from the sporting bodies, and as as uh, as other sponsors go, Matrix Fitness, they made some really cool pieces of equipment. They helped me out for a while, and uh, a guy from uh, Mango Racing also helped me out. Uh, um, and my my coach was great. You know, he never charged me anything, and just little things like that that I had. Uh, my mum was great. She uh, 
she did lots of uh, fundraising events, you know, at Bunnings, selling sausages, and my nieces and nephews there helping. So it was like a local thing that, that really helped out. A lot of local businesses um, helped out when I went to the World Championship event. Okay, um, I said with the local businesses, uh, do you recall some of the names of them? Yeah, so the IGA, the local IGA, um, Paul, he was a champion. Um, they helped out a lot. Uh, Hardy's Hot Mix, they were great. Uh, the local jeweller was good, um, Matthews. Uh, and then there was just like a couple of other businesses, which um, I probably should have had that in front of me to say thank you, but um, they, were, they were the main ones. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, is it that kind of like it all helps um, a little bit about uh, trying to make ends meet, but like 24 hours, uh, 20 to 24 hours a week, that's actually a long time. Is it, does that include recovery time uh, bet, uh, between sessions? No. So, I mean, when I was starting to race the long distance, the 70.3, uh, you know, you'd be swimming at two and a half K sessions to, you know, three and a half kilometres. So for me, that takes anywhere from, you know, an hour, an hour and a half, um, doing whatever your sets are. And then you'd probably go and do a three-hour ride. So that would be one day, you know, like an hour would be a bigger day. Then you'd have smaller days where you're only maybe doing two hours in the bike or an hour, an hour and a half in the race chair. Um, so there is, there's days where you have smaller sessions, but then there's days where you've got to do just a five-hour ride. Um, so... Mixing it all up, at the end of the day, yeah, it was anywhere between 20 and 24. Yeah, but, like, how did you keep yourself occupied between training sessions? Like, uh, did you renovate a house or anything like that? Yeah, when I first, um, just before when I first started racing, and that's when I had to kind of stop doing all the other stuff, when I decided to go, you know, that semi-pro in the sense of, okay, I'm going to race for Australia now, and... um and start doing the jersey, so I need to, to put a bit more focus on it. But, yeah, I renovated a house for a while out of Wellington in New South Wales uh, when I lived out there, um, which was a great experience. That was pretty cool, learning about all that type of stuff in your chair. But I was really lucky uh, when I first got injured, a friend of mine and, that I met owned a farm. Uh, so he was like, you know, come to the farm and I'll teach you how to weld and we'll, we'll play on the tractors and and uh, so that, I was really lucky in that sense, you know, like I said, I joined the Navy when I was 16 from Tassie, very naive, um, had an accident when I was 22. And, and so it was kind of like the blinkers were removed. So I was so military minded that all of a sudden it was, okay, well, now anything's open to you. What do you want to do? Um, so it wasn't just the new thing of being with a disability. It became, I actually have an opportunity now to see the whole world around me, not just from a military point of view. So in that lucky, I was very lucky. You know, in that sense, I was very lucky. Yeah, look, is that in the preliminary chat we had about ten days ago? Is that the military mind came through? I remember you saying to me, Rafael, I rang you through Google too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to do it, don't you? Learn, learn something, or you go in blind. Oh, look at look at. Look, and I just think, I don't think that's a great little story. Um, that one, that's a two-way street. I mean, it has to, it has to do a lot with about the type of world that we're actually living today. It's about being prepared for all kinds of things. And as an athlete, do you have many opportunities to go and speak to organisations like the schools, or Rotary clubs, or Lions clubs, or corporate events? 
Yeah, so I did. A, um, I mean, I'd love to do more of the the corporate thing. That'd be great. Um, but what I I enjoy doing is is the schools as well. So I did a, a lot of speeches for an organisation called Rider, uh, and they're a Victorian organisation that that basically when kids have a day of doing all road skills, um, and one part of that is what they call a crash survivor. So um, you just go in and, and you know, they've done stopping distances and speed and fatigue and stuff like that throughout the day. And then at some stage during the day they have me. And, yeah, I just did a speech of, you know, what it's like to have, have an accident or, you know, what the impact is on not just you but your family. And um, and then you, you speak about all the cool positive things about how much I've got to travel and all my racing and um, all the other cool things that you, that you get to do. It's just... And as I say to the kids, everybody has a choice. Okay, what what am I going to choose to do today? So, you know, and if you you make a conscious effort to choose to do something, <laughs> then you always move forward. Now, Matthew, is it how do the students receive you um, when you go in the first time that they meet you? I'm, I've been really lucky again. Uh, whether it's just my personality, or you know, as you can see, I can talk uh, underwater. So. Uh, I have a really good response with kids straight away. You try and find something that makes them laugh early on, and you know, just show them that it's you know we're here to to learn. Um, and then it's great after that. You get them opening up and and get the questions out of them that you need to hear so that they understand they're listening. Now, so are, really lucky. Now, what are the types of questions that students would actually ask you? The ones that they want to ask uh, compared to the ones that they do ask. Most straight off the bat is how do you drive? Um, you know, did you drive here? Uh, and then, you know, girlfriends, do you have a girlfriend? Uh, and then just about the racing. If, um, or, you know, the bike nuts in the, in the group will ask me about my motorbike. Um, and then you try to, you know, you can see they want to ask you about your, your whole girlfriend and, and relationship stuff but, um, and their kids. So you just got to kind of prod them a little bit and then they'll ask away. And, and you can get that happening nice and early then the rest of the speech they'll listen to. Right. Now, is it, when I met you, it was straight after the Bernie 10K run. Now, let's take the mind back. Is it, it was in Wilson Street in Bernie, the main street, and there I was. I was trying to take a few photographs of you as you were getting interviewed by a reporter. <laughs> now, is it... Why is it important? Why is it really, really important for you to participate in that Bernie 10K run? The the, the organisers um, originally we used to go last, um, so the problem with that is that we are a lot faster on an average than the able-bodied athletes. So you know, like going last, you would catch so many people and trying to get around them and then and get back up that hill at the end. It actually became a safety issue. So I, I put a GoPro on the front of my, uh, on my front of my race chair one year and I filmed, I think there was 4,400 athletes and we, we worked it out that I passed 3,800 of them. So over 10 kilometres, you know, it works out to be uh, 38 people a, a metre or something stupid. Um, so when we showed them that, they were like, oh, okay, we, we need to put you first and they really want to get more athletes from the mainland to come down. So they said, all right, not only will we put you first, we'll, we'll put up prize money now. And So we've had a couple of the boys come over, um, but we're really trying to get you know, the likes of Richard Coleman from Victoria and, and Kurt from New South Wales and, and a few of those boys, Jay Glappin and stuff, to come down 
and that gives it a bit more punch then. I mean, it's a great event now, but you know, with people's names like that coming that are Paralympic medalists, it, it just helps. Yeah, now, is that, Matthew, when you're actually, um, is it, I love that military mind of yours, is that a camera in the on the front of the race wheelchair and then actually show the film. I mean, that's preparation to its absolute max, I'd reckon, because I'd never heard of I wouldn't have thought of that myself. I mean, that's really, really well done. Yeah, well, a friend of mine put me onto it. Uh, Richard Coleman, he did a lot when we were training in Switzerland. Um, we trained a fair bit over there, getting ready for various events, and we did it a few times. Uh, you know, we put it on our bikes going down the big hills in Switzerland, and then, yeah, so when I did the race, I was kind of like, you know, this will be... It'll just help to show the event organiser that when you have a great race, just, you know, like I'm that much faster, even on a bad day, that we kind of need to go first. And we don't, we don't want to take away from what the event is, but I get it showcases the, the race chair a lot more too. You know, people get out and they can see it. You're out on the road, you're, you're in and off the event event before the, you know, the, the elite, as they call them, athletes come through. Now, is it one of the things about the Bernie 10K run is that not only was yourself in the race um, chair, but as a spectator, I noticed that there was, it looked to be very fairly inclusive. I noticed people that, uh, there was people with pushers and there was prams with little, t- with toddlers, and they were getting their first introduction to what athlete life was like, and it was a big community event that was happening around there. It was great. The the, the people for Jack... Um were a whole new thing that's been there this year, and that that was ridiculously well organised. And you know, all those those guys were amazing. That you know they all had the t-shirts. They'd all organised those pushes, and and they had all those disabled kids that you know obviously couldn't do the event themselves uh, in the, in the strollers. So that yeah, that was awesome, and that was the um, doing it for Jack. So those guys were yeah, they did it well. I mean that's great too. The, the spectators, you know, everyone loves to see that. You know, people that come out to take the time to not to just watch somebody they know, but, you know, they see a kid like that go past, they kind of got to think about it for a second and go, hang on a sec, I'm standing here, you know, pretty lucky to enjoy it. Look how happy that kid is just being able to get out. Yeah, look, I mean, look, look it really was a special event. But, like, is that when you've mentioned the other races that you compete against, is there a kind of comradeship that develops between um, you as athletes? Yeah, there is actually, and especially those that do the circuit. Um, you know, worldwide, those top, you know, thirty athletes, realistically, in the males and the females, they all do the same type of events, and they all go to the same type of places. So you, you get to see them a lot. Uh, and like I said, I was really lucky to to live on and off in Switzerland um, and train a lot over there, and that was just amazing. And all those guys were really good. And then any of the British guys you see. Or the Japanese are they're pretty cool, you know, they come to Australia a lot. Um so yeah, and getting to train with other people from around the world definitely helps to broaden your horizon on what, you know, is the norm. Well, it's it um so like it's that there's that little bit of a bond there, like you can actually train together. Do you talk about strategies or do you do any much stuff socially as well? They do, yeah, for sure. Especially the the marathoners, you know, those guys are crazy. Uh, the guys that race the wheelchair marathon, they it's all tactics at, at, at the start. Um, unless one of them's feeling really good, then they just go, you know, and then it's a matter of the rest of them try to work together uh, to, to track them down again. So there is a lot of 
pushing and shoving and to and froing in, in the pack with those guys. Um, my racing with the triathlon a little differently. There's no drafting and, and stuff like that. So you're not allowed to, you know, sit behind the guy in front and get a rest or a recovery at all. You know, you, you just got to get out there and do your own thing. Yeah, now, is it traditionally in sport, you've got a little bit of a banter, is it? How about, is there much sledging that goes on? Yeah, um, yeah look, I wouldn't, I'd say no with triathlon that I know of, but definitely in the wheelchair racing and the and the hand cycling, because they're such bigger events and been around a lot longer, um, yeah, there's definitely there's a lot of uh, quiet words that, that get said in, the, in those packs, for sure. Well, they certainly do, but... Like the triathlons, is that that's your next big challenge? I think. With the, I mean, is it that's what is it? Wasn't that the thing that actually, when you had the year off, that actually brought you back? It was the next frontier. How long? Yeah, took- I, I, it, 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 what brought me back was I mean, I, I, you know, like I said, I was on the Olympic, um, the Paralympic long list for para triathlon to going to Rio. Um, I didn't make that, and then I decided that I'd have a go at the long distance stuff. So I raced the world championship last year um, for seventy point three, and then winning the hand cycle category. After that, I kind of sat down and I thought, you know, I've, I've done a lot of sporting stuff over the years, and and maybe now it's time to do something different. And then, yeah, it took a year off, um, but there's a World Cup event for triathlon. Should be the first time we'll have one in Tasmania. So, I mean, it's a local event. It's going to be straight down the road of where I'm living in Devonport. Uh, so, yeah, it'd be silly not to do it. And, and uh, as I said, I always do the Bernie Pen and, and had to get some type of fitness back to do that. So I just I thought, you know, look, while I'm doing it, I've got all the gear still. I might as well keep keep training and um, and race. In the, I, won't, I won't race the elite stuff again. Um, I'll just race the open category and, and uh, try and get a few of the other local... Uh, athletes around to come down and, and have a crack at doing a triathlon for the first time. No, said Matthew, said when you, uh, what are your actual plans for, like, at some stage an athlete's life comes to an end, what are your plans for that stage of your life? That's a great question, you know. I, I, I've consciously thought about it a lot because I, I believe that a lot of athletes don't. Uh, so I'm really lucky, you know, I've, I've, I've thought about that and, uh, I'm, I can work. I've, I've set myself up to be able to work for a friend of mine who owns a swimming pool company. Um, but I just, I have a lot of toys. Uh, you know, like I've got a motorbike that, uh, I'm just waiting for my new gear change to come so I can get back on the track. Um, I had a meeting this morning with the local karting association in Tasmania and they were great to start, um, doing like local go-kart events. In, uh, you know, I've got a go-kart with hand control. Um, and, yeah, and then, you know, I will start doing a lot more of the school stuff when the uh, when the, the, the talks come back up again. So, I mean, there's always a lot of stuff to do. And um, now you play a bit of PlayStation every now and then, too. Okay, is it... Like, is it... So, do you think there are actually opportunities, given the background that you've come from, is, like... I think you've... From where from behind the microphone is that you've overcome quite a considerable maybe adversity and you've developed your own luck along the way Matthew like having the accident then the disappointment of not making 
the te- or not being selected for the team at Rio, is that how does maybe having a motivational speaker sound? Yeah, look, and motivation's a two-way street. It's um, it, it's a great thing, uh, and I love giving it to people, which then you know helps motivate myself to uh, do my own thing. I yeah, I, I love to do speeches, and like I said, I really enjoy doing them, um, and that that's definitely something I'd I'd like to get into for sure. And let's actually have a little bit. I mean, is it what is the thing that actually makes Matthew Brumby tick? What does Matthew get up for? Smile, to be happy. And uh, every day, you know, just to do one nice thing for somebody every day or have somebody do something nice. I think we, we've so well gotten so far away from remembering that there's great people out there and that, that everybody can have a go. You know, especially that whole fair go thing for Australia. We, we're getting away from that. We need to get back to it. So having a fair go and, and letting everybody else see that everyone can have a fair go. Well, is it, that's, I'm going to actually run a little bit with this little theme of having a fair go, Matthew. Is that earlier on in the interview, you mentioned that there was a particular sponsor, uh, Mungo Racing? Mango. Mango, yep. Mango. Mango Racing. Let's have a little bit of a talk about Mango Racing, about how they were actually able to really assist you in pursuing your sporting goals. So Mango, uh, actually, you, can we say, <laughs> I mean, Mango is great, and that's the guy's name that owns the company, and they're doing a lot of stuff now. He's getting into the disability side. Um, the, the people that, that were amazing was, was, in the end of the day, was Matrix. They, they made a piece of equipment called a crank cycle, which is perfect for people with a disability. It's a, it, it goes in amongst a spin class with cycles, so you roll up it in your wheelchair and you crank it with your arms while people are doing a, a spin cycle. They paid for my, my affairs and a, and a few things for uh, a world championship race I did in London. Um, so they're, I mean, that's probably, I don't know how that sounds, but they, you know, they, in, in, in financial terms, when it came to a big whack, uh, Matrix were the ones that, that, um, that really came through in that sense. Well, is it, Matthew, off the top of your head, do you know the contact details for Matrix? The lady doesn't work there anymore. I actually rang them uh, a couple of weeks ago, and she, uh, Stacey, doesn't work there anymore, unfortunately. So the the, the great lady that I even spoke with um, doesn't work there anymore, unfortunately. Right. Well, let's actually um, go with this a little bit um, too. Is that from a sponsorship point of view? Is that if someone, if you were racing, or when you're racing, Matthew, is that can you have signage on a wheelchair for on your racing chair? Certain events you can, and you can have them on your uniform. They've just got to be preordained. If especially, I'm not sure what it's like for the open stuff. Um, that'll be a new thing to me because of all the, the racing I did prior was elite, where you know, like I had to give information to the to Triathlon Australia to put it in to um, whatever our suppliers were at the time. Um, but yeah, it's a bit tricky like that actually when you're racing. The elite stuff, the, the open's probably not as much. I'm guessing I should be able to get away with whatever you want on your chair um, and your wheels and, and stuff like that. I mean, because that's what all helps, you know, wearing hats, shirt, um, and trying to get any media coverage that you get that you have something on of, of, and, and mention it. That's you know, so it's nice enough that you even ask. Um, sometimes, you know, you try and stick a plug in there somewhere. <laughs> no, is it, uh, Matthew, is it... What about, um, I'm going to ask you, ask uh, 
for an opinion. The opinion is that in professional sport, usually there is actually a lot of um, coverage and signage where athletes can actually have their little sponsorship deals. Would something like the maybe the dis uh, or wheelchair racing are they lagging a little bit behind um, trying to get it to that level, or are they trying to keep it at an amateur level instead? Good question. I, I and look, I never understood either. You know, the world championship events um, and stuff like that. You know, they'd cover up even the zip written on a say a carbon fibre racing chair wheel. You know, that'd have to be taped up. You couldn't even have um, have that going around for whatever reason. So I'm not sure why why we have an... Okay, our opinion on it. That's a good question. Look at this. a very difficult behind. question, though. It's kind of like it's... Like is that Wimbledon was all amateur up until 1972 and then it came professional and actually changed level of sport. And that's why the question, it's not really about giving an answer, but it's actually to try to understand what the background about why it might actually be that it's difficult to do so. Well, they even tape up the frames. You know, say, you know, Top End, for example, or whatever the, the company is, Carbon Bike or whatever, you know, that make the chair, um, they even make them cover that up. So, I mean, yes, you know, saying it out loud, we're definitely lagging behind because we should be able to show that stuff because why would a company want to sponsor me, say, a bike, for example, um, if I'm not even allowed to show what company's bike I'm in? Well, that that's a really, really, really good point, and it's... Um, my final two questions for you, Matthew, are what is the local athletics club that you're involved with? Uh, I'm not, actually. Um, one little problem I had being uh, a triathlete, or paratriathlete we call, is that you know, I'd have to join a swimming club, an athletics club, and a cycling club, um, and a triathlon club. So it all became, you know what, I think I'll just join a triathlon club um, and kind of try and get all three of those in in one because it makes it a bit tricky trying to have you know four memberships a year and okay so well what triathlon club are you a member of then uh we call the cradle coast down here in tassie is what it's called right okay and matthew is that for sponsorship details how could a person get in contact with you um look yeah that'd be great it'd be through an email um and so like i have an email address it's it's uh yeah, S for Sam, M for Mary, P for Papa, so SMP, and then just Matty, M-A-T-T-Y, at hotmail.com. And just, yeah, if people want to say what they're about and, and what I could do to help them, um, you know, feel free, send me an email, and, and uh, I'll get back to you as soon as I fix this Apple computer. Boy. <laughs> okay, well, that's all we've got time for, Matthew. It's been great having you on The Boldness, and thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much, mate. Enjoy your afternoon. Uh, we will. We've been talking with Matthew Brumby, a para-athlete uh, from Tasmania, who was first passed along on the Bernie 10K run. Now, the boldness will be back on the 29th of November at 6 o'clock. In the meantime, there's a Disability Pride march happening at Footscray uh, Telecom Centre, and that's on the 24th of November. We're going to go out with a song called Burning Rubber by Morpho and keep listening. The next show is Completia Ballable. Thank you very much for listening. Have a great night.